I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. It is Monday, the 30th of November, the final day of this month. I'm Nadine Blaney. Hey, Scuddy. That was a good day, wasn't it? It was a good day. It wasn't a great day for the local market. But, I know. Uh, but I uh, know no, it's been a hot month. So yeah, a cool end to what's been an exceedingly hot month. The yeah. largest monthly gain since uh, March 1988. Some are saying it's a welcome pause, a pause for breath needed to happen. And that this will ensure we'll get that final leg up as we move toward the end of the year. Not saying final because, you know, I got to say most people I speak with are still incredibly bullish heading into 2021, talking about the economics being in place, company profits going well, uh, lots of stimulus, liquidity. What is not to love? Exactly. And that makes me concerned straight <laughs> off the bat that everyone's thinking the same thing because uh, I just wonder about positioning. But I know there's so much cash sitting out there on the sidelines that no, it's a, like a saying that gets used a lot, but we know that there's lots of money out there just waiting to find a home. So any pullback is likely to be small. But uh, uh, you're right, it is nice to go and see a bit of a pullback from a longer-term trajectory. If you're bullish, it's probably a good thing. Mineral Resources, one of the best performers. Oz Minerals as well. No big surprise there. Commodities have been doing so well. Thank you very much. That includes copper. Copper at its highest level in nearly seven years. Iron ore still going well, even in the face of all of this rising geopolitical tension between Australia and China. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a watching brief and probably an X factor as we head toward the end of the year as well. Yeah, uh, I'll be pretty blunt about this. I don't think there's going to be an improvement in relations one iota. Uh, got uh, President Xi Jinping is uh, president for life. So I can't see China really changing its ways. Uh, and then you go and put that on the other equation. We know that uh, no sentiment towards China has deteriorated quite a lot domestically here. So politically, it would be very unfashionable and unfavorable uh, to go and see to be you no know, rolling over or folding to the Chinese. So I can't see us backing down either. Uh, certainly not after the tweet that was out there today. That was pretty incredible. And that yeah. will I think that will we'll get to the tweet, but uh, I, I suspect that. Uh, that may have been an attempt to provocate uh, and get a response, and uh, it certainly has done that. Um, look, where this ends up, it's uh, anyone's guess, but uh, I dare say that uh, the days of you know, trying to go and, uh, and put all your eggs in one basket and just go and target and tie your uh, hitch your wagon to China is well and truly over. We've said it a couple of times last week. But uh, if there's any case for diversification, today has shown it. And um, interesting as well, if we sort of get those two thematics together, geopolitical risk on one side. But again, when you talk to many analysts, market watcher participants, they're all talking about EM, China in particular, as being the real golden opportunity as we head into 2021. But before we get off topic, I'd like to, I think, Bring us to the stock of the day. That, of course, is Treasury Wine Estates um, coming out, saying strategically how they 
They plan to pivot away from China now. Some may say that, again, they should have been doing that a little bit, bit earlier fact, on. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough going. It's going to be tough going for TWE. Share price has suffered as a result already. Um, today's losses being put on top of those that were seen on Friday, down by about 7% in the Monday trading session. It was the stock of the day, as I mentioned. We sat down with Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and Nathan Samasandra from Deep Data Analytics. Here's what Scott Phillips had to say about TWE. So, Kosh, I'll, I'll declare off on my own shares. So uh, that may or may not cloud everything I say next. But I actually don't, I'm not as worried as the market is about this one. Now, it adds a heap of uncertainty, obviously. It adds a heap of short-term risk. And frankly, it's going to cost a heap of short-term profit. So that's all. The, that's all the bad news wrapped up in one in one big bundle. I look. You know, there are always going to be issues with China. Always going to be issues with Chinese trade. We've seen that multiple commodities over time. The big the big watch out here is, of course, whether or not the Australian government, the Chinese government, can come to some sort of terms. Um, look, frank, frankly, mate, I, I think long term this is a great investment. So I'm going to buy more as soon as our trading rules allow. Unless you believe Treasury never gets back into China, this is a great opportunity to buy some shares on the cheap mm. for mine. In the longer term, it's a global growth play. We will get some part of it. Now, the question is how long that takes. We don't know. Now, um, Scott's right. It is a. It was a growth stock before. Now it's a value stock. Yeah. So that transition usually comes with things going seriously wrong, and it has not just on China. Overall, has had issues. This is not one for people with ADHD. You've got to be yeah. one year, one and a half year time frame. You're willing to sit on it. If you're looking at it in that perspective, I'd probably buy 30% now, 30% in a couple of months, and 30% a bit later. And that was Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics. So both of them like the company still, say that it's a buy, but Nathan would not go out and uh, get a position all in one go. So I I think that's uh, the final word on TWE for now. Yeah, I suspect it'll be in the news for a lot of uh, a lot more though. Yeah, but, for uh, now. It's, it's a poster child of what's going on at the moment. Uh, not only that, but the changes that they're going to be making. You know, they admit that there will not be um, well the impact, uh, the benefit in the current financial year and FY twenty one will be small. It will take years to play out, and that's you know, if everything goes to plan, they've got to spend big on sales and marketing and get some of those uh, brands into other countries and luxury markets. But yeah. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about Treasury Wine Estate, that's sort of what Steve and Everett from Belvedere Share Managers was telling us earlier on. You can get that interview just via the show notes. And he also uh, interestingly talks lithium, goes into quite a lot of detail, states his case as to why some of these names not only have a good future, but are still relatively good value at this time. So you can do that via the show notes. Uh, what else was a major thematic today, Scotty? I think it was the, the economic news that we got at 11.30, uh, pointing to signs of recovery, pointing to appetite, of course, as well for credit. Yeah, the housing market uh, is continuing to show signs of a recovery, and uh, I suspect it's going to be a lot uh, lot firmer recovery as we enter the uh, early parts of 2021. Uh, even with uh, trade tensions, there's probably another reason for the RBA and the government to continue going hard with the stimulus for the economy. So... Uh, very interesting to see what's going on there. So uh, I was uh, housing credit up another 0.3%. That's against a backdrop where actual private sector credit was completely flat. So 
We know that uh, no business demand for credit has been pretty soft, as has you know, certainly personal credit, which is really soft as well. And uh, we're talking about the other parts. We've got some, uh, some Q3 uh, no GDP inputs arrived today, business inventories yep. and the like. A mm-hmm. um, lot of focus goes into this. But the one thing that I've seen lots of people make mistakes about when it comes to analysing that series at the moment is they're not incorporating the massive impact on uh, profitability from JobKeeper payments that went through to various you know, companies, uh, went and saved a huge chunk of the wage mm-hmm. bill. So that's one thing to go and keep an eye on when you'll see undoubted countless stories written about it over the next 24 hours. Uh, yeah, and it's leading up to the RBA meeting. And then, of course, on Wednesday, the highlight of the week locally, you've got to say, is the GDP read. Um, uh, there's varying consensus um, forecast, but it looks like a, a gain of about 2.2% is consensus. Um, so we will hang out for Wednesday, not only because of that, but because we will hear from the RBA governor, Philip Lowe. He will be at one of those parliamentary um, inquiries. Um, and so... What else do we need to know from the Reserve Bank Governor at this time? Uh, look, the bank has done an exceptionally good job, uh, which is in contrast to previous form in actually uh, you know, explaining what uh, what has to happen. So uh, I don't think there's too much more that I uh, know. Maybe I uh, know the risks associated with the QE program, whether it's extended or not, uh, when it comes to an end uh, in the early parts of next year. Uh, I think that's the one thing that a lot of people are looking at, people looking at the housing market in particular and wondering, well, uh, no, is that potentially an area? But we know the RBA wants to go and keep the cash rate uh, where it is at the moment for at least three years. It knows that it wants to see underlying inflation back within its target, not forecast to go within its target. That means that the unemployment rate has to go and drop way below 4.5% from where I sit, uh, which means that uh, if that's the case, the fiscal taps are going to keep going and the monetary taps have to keep going as well. I had a chat with Nick Bishop from Bishop Fang earlier today and we were talking about the Australian dollar. Well, we were talking about the US dollar, of course, which led to a conversation about the Aussie. He sees the Aussie at 80 cents by the end of next year um, because it's a risk you know, uh, uh, currency that reflects risk appetite um, because of how it's been moving in tandem with the S&P 500. In that environment, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on the Reserve Bank to bring interest rates to zero or below. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a problem that the other uh, banks can have to face. But uh, if it's going to 80 cents for the right reasons, that's because commodity prices are really firm. The global economy is doing very well and the like, helping to absorb the excess amount of capacity which exists not only in the Australian economy but the global economy. Then we shouldn't get too far track, but that's a good thing. Uh, I know that uh, I know people say like no, it's a it's a great way to go and uh, boost inflation and like no international competitiveness by having a, a cheaper currency. But uh, at the same time, you know, if we have a stronger Aussie dollar for the right reasons, it's a good sign because it means the Australian economy is strong as well. Okay, we will um, see, and we will hang out for that two thirty p.m. Announcement, and then we'll bring you plenty of analysis at 3 p.m. on Ausbiz, the live stream. Okay, so we have quite a lot happening uh, around the world tonight. We've got uh, ECB President Christine Lagarde speaking. We have in the United States uh, the Chicago PMI, the Dallas Fed Index. We've got home sales. And uh, later in the week, we hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin before Senate Uh, And that's just the start of it in the U.S., really. I mean, we get uh, the Beige Book, which takes on more importance, uh, obviously because of the economic picture there, non-farm payroll data. I mean, it's a big week on the macroeconomic front. 
Yeah, I think uh, it all comes down to the payrolls report, you know, saving the best to last in the United States. And uh, whilst it can be volatile month to month, uh, we know that the, uh, the bar for further easing from the Fed is probably particularly low at this point in time. So we get a weak outcome there. So real evidence that uh, you know, lockdowns, that, you know, that people are starting to go hunker down again because they're concerned about what's going on with that virus. Uh, that manifests itself in the data. Uh, the Fed is almost a given. It will go and, uh, up asset purchases uh, probably further out the curve and, uh, and do more to try and support the recovery. And of course, you know, whilst that means uh, bad news for the economy, uh, uh, short term, it means that you know, some pretty bad uh, virus cases uh, and accounts and the like going on. Uh, obviously, markets will lap that up, won't they? Okay, so here we've got building approvals. We've got the CoreLogic Home Value Index, and we'll be speaking with Eliza Owen about that one a little bit later in the day. We get payroll jobs data. We get a, the Shaishin Manufacturing Index from China. And then, of course, the RBA statement. We'll have coverage for you live as it happens at 2.30. Plus, we'll be joined by a panel of expert guests uh, at 3 p.m. to take you through all of the nuances of both the statement and what it means from here on in. So some great uh, guests joining us for that. Um, let's talk other guests tomorrow. We've got uh, Kenny Polcari. Lots of people love his energy at 9.15 to take us through that U.S. session. The first full day of trade since last Wednesday, considering the U.S. holiday that goes through. And uh, we've got Luke Larative. He is from Seneca Financial Solutions. No doubt he'll be giving us his stock picks, three top stock picks as we head into December. And um, yeah, we'll also be chatting with Martin Crabb, who's the CEO of Sean Partners late in the day. Always a highlight of my, uh, my Tuesday. It certainly is. I said last week, I set my clock by it, knowing that Martin is going to come in and tell us all we need to know about where the market is headed. So we'll also, one thing we haven't mentioned, be keeping an ear on OPEC+. Plus. Uh, they meet on Monday. We want to know about production cuts or restrictions going forward. It is always a bit of a struggle to get everyone on the same page at OPEC+. Plus. It is uh, like a how to herd, uh, herd sheep uh, when you've got nothing to support around you. But uh, we'll see what happens. Look, the sensible outcome would be to go and keep production levels where they are or even go and reduce them slightly. Um, of course, this is OPEC+. Plus, so <laughs> expect the unexpected. Um, look, all things equal. I think the market's got it. Uh, no pretty much factored in already that uh, no, another three-month extension of the current production levels is likely to be seen. Okay, I mentioned already Mineral Resources, Oz Minerals. Kogan is one of the best performers on the 200 today. South 32 on the flip side was down by two and a quarter percent. Uh, Downer EDI and APA. So uh, interesting dynamics going on in the market right now. How December will get off to the start. We will probably get some pretty good indications of what happens in New York tonight. If you love company new, if you love stock picks, I'll just put it out there like that. I, we really appreciate you listening to the COB podcast. Um, don't stop doing it, but you might want to sign up for the COB newsletter as well. I usually say what interviews you might be interested in just via the show notes. However, um, it's worthwhile knowing that we have, say in the newsletter today, three under the radar tech stocks that you can buy now and grow later. And you can click through it and read some of the analysis there. And also uh, Richard Ivers from Prime Value Equities. He gave us three micro caps with maxi profits. So worthwhile signing up for the COB. You can do that just via the website or, um, or the app. So that's, that's it for me today. Scotty, you have anything to add? No, I'm already excited and I'm already feeling exhausted about what lies ahead tomorrow. It's going to be a busy day, so I'm going to go and get my, uh, get my sleep and then ready to rock tomorrow morning. RBA day. We'll see you then. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.